and my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're taking as our theme, Beyond the Grave, is death the ultimate end? And today we're simply asking, what is death? Uh, today our co-host is Will Mo- Moala and Will is the pastor to the Gawler Adventist Church and also to the Brooklyn Park Grace Adventist Church plant. Uh, welcome to you, Will. Good evening. Nice to be with you, Gary. It is fantastic to have you in. You know, don't you love technology? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I really have to apologise to our listeners. I really do. Uh, you know, this evening, folks, we do actually have a, a, a late start, but uh, uh, that's because uh, technology, once again, um, has uh, fallen in a heap. Uh, I, I, I have to admit, we live in an interesting world, an interesting environment uh, where, where we are just so reliant on this, uh, uh, on this equipment. Uh, but, folks, look, welcome aboard. It's wonderful to have you with us. Now, we've got with us uh, today, we've got uh, Will Moala. And now, Will is a wonderful young pastor, and he's going to be sharing uh, with us today. Now, Will, I'd love to, to get to know just a little bit m- more about you. You've actually been and shared and spoken to us a number of times on uh, on our Drive Time program. But tell us, what is it that entices a, a young fella to become a, a man of the cloth? You know, I mean, you're a, you know, you're a young bloke and, uh, you know, not a lot of people are taking that up today. Why did you choose to become a church pastor? Yeah, good question, Gary. Look, I know it sounds cliche, the response I want to say, but um, it, it still rings true. But I, I firmly believe that I didn't choose to uh, do what I'm doing, that I, I firmly believe that God called me. And so... um and by the way, I love, thank you for calling me young because um, I'm not as young as I used to be. When you're my age, believe me, anybody younger than you is young. Uh, so, uh, you know, therefore you are young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, look, I, I've, I can only talk from my own experience. So um, I f- gave my life fully to the Lord Jesus. I uh, was baptized uh, when I was 24 years old. And from there, you know, I, I, I even remembering that day back in Sydney, my home church at Concord Adventist Church in Sydney. Um, I still remember when the, my pastor at the time, Pastor Bruce Shields, baptized me and he, uh, and, uh, went into the water. There was no sense of, you know, I was going to become a minister or I was, or do what I'm doing today. All I knew at that day, on that day, Gary, was, um, I knew what Jesus had done for me and I wanted to express my commitment to serve him. And that really started a whole chain of events to where I am today. So yeah, looking back, it's not like something that I kind of, um, you know, thought I would be doing. In fact, if you'd asked me many years ago in my late teens, early 20s prior to this whole God experience, you know, I had different uh, ambitions and, you know, mindset of life and so forth. So, yeah, why, um, what entices a young person? I, I think in generally, um, God calls us to, to know Him. And then it's through that knowing Him and through providence and just how God works, He brings people in, yeah. and just through the the just through that authentic, you know that that flow of events in life, um, that God begins to you know really shape and kind of speak to you and, and make that you know calling more ev- ev- um, ev- um, evident. Sorry, <laughs> and just another thing, very quickly, Gary. I mean, in our tradition, in our in our context as pastors, we because often- you're Tongan by by background. Yeah, that's correct. So, um, yeah, so my parents are of Tongan background from the Pacific Islands. They came to Australia and Sydney in the, you know, late seventies, early eighties. Oh, late seventies actually, because I was born in nineteen eighty. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I have the Pacific Island background, and um, yeah, looking back, um, you know, Pacific Island people in general, very religious, um, you know, religion, Christianity is a very strong part of um, our our makeup and who we are as a people. Um, but having said that. You know, I uh, didn't necessarily grow up in a, I guess, a, a faith believing home. You know, it wasn't until later on in life that, um, in my late teens when 
mum and dad kind of um, even themselves they have their own story they felt um, God was kind of calling them to you know to have that relationship it's amazing how true that actually is actually a lot of people don't actually realize that God still does actually call people today you know yep. God you know finds you know I can think of the number of times when early in my ministry and certainly throughout my ministry mm. God has actually impacted interposed in my ministry in a way that you sort of say hey that is so mind-blowing uh-huh. uh, that you can't explain it any other way you know there are there are supernatural forces that impact your life if in fact you're prepared to give your your, your life to Jesus Christ yeah yeah, no, that's that's really beautiful. Um, now, look, um, well, let's come to our our World Watch uh, segment today mm-hmm. because uh, uh, we do have to keep uh, keep moving today. I'm really conscious that our, our time is going to get away from us far too quickly uh, today. You know, just uh, a few days ago, I picked up in the Australian um, an article from the religious uh, um, section in in that paper, and they were talking about the uh, appointment of the new Archbishop of Sydney. Now, to me, as I read this particular article, it really jumped out at me because he said the new archbishop said a few things that I just had to agree with totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the uh, archdiocese of uh, of Sydney is a very conservative uh, archdiocese, and in the Western world, that's actually an unusual thing to actually have that as the case. Now, this is what the article said: everything about Raphael's. Now, he's the uh, new archbishop emergence as the archbishop of one of the most important and religiously conservative Anglican dioceses in the world was unlikely. He was born in London of Sri Lankan parents and migrated as a small child to Sydney. He was brought up as a Buddhist and was happily practicing the meditation and rituals of the tradition when Christianity hit him like a thunderbolt. <laughs> His friends from school and university were Christian and one of them asked him to just read just one thing about Christianity. He was expecting a book like C.S. Lewis or such but instead his friend got him to read the Gospel of John. It gave him a sleepless night as he read it, then he reread it, and he read it again. And by morning, Raphael had become a Christian. Uh, In a a long conversation this week, I asked Raphael why the words written by the evangelist John 2,000 years ago had such an effect on him. His response, I found the person of Jesus to be utterly Overwhelming. Wow. Now, just, just tell me, Will, that, that response, I've, is it possible for a person to find Jesus Christ overwhelming? I, I, absolutely. I mean, again, Gary, I can only talk to you from what I've been through and, um, my mind just reverts back to, um, having those Bible studies with the elder of my local church back in Sydney, Dominic Racina. And, um, he loved the Lord and, uh, we would open the Bible together. And the Bible actually says that about the, Itself, you know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You got Hebrews where it says that the word of God is living. You know, the Apostle Paul says, and then there's a beautiful passage in Isaiah where um, the word of God says that His word will not return to Him empty, but it will accomplish that which He pleases. So there's definitely a sense from the Bible itself claiming that it is life changing. Mm. And so when I'm reading about this uh, this uh, new um, Archbishop, you know, I'm saying Amen because because you know he read the God. Gospel of John, and his life was changed, and yeah, yeah. and you know God is no respecter of persons. Whoever has an open heart to hear God's voice with a prayerful and a sincere heart, you know my belief, and I stand by this: is that God is going to speak to you. Yeah, and yeah. that's why I love what I do, and love what you love, what you do. Obviously, Gary, with this our beautiful, um, you know, Faith FM ministry, is that people's lives are changed, mm-hmm. and and the same Bible that Raphael reads is the same word that I read and you read, and millions of people across the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one um, of the things I really appreciate about about this is that uh, I mean, obviously, he comes from a different uh, theological mm. perspective to what you and you and me do, and yet I really appreciate the fact that he's actually got a testimony. He's he's able to say that Jesus Christ actually changed my life because yep. that to me is heart and core. That is really central to everything that Christianity really stands on about, doesn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, just another uh, statement here in this, in this article. The Sydney uh, Anglican Diocese is one of the great evangelical Anglican dioceses of the world. Mm-hmm. It holds strongly to the absolute truth and reliability of the New Testament and is positively countercultural in its insistence on the unchanging nature of core Christian belief. Now, to me, this is, this is something that in the day and age in which we live is actually a little bit radical because mm. he's saying that a Christian Christianity is intended to be countercultural, and yet mm. we have a drive from many churches to become far more contemporary. But he's saying, no, 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 you no. have to be countercultural. Now, yep. how would you respond to that? Yeah. I found that that churches that preach the Bible and they preach the the Word of God, um, you know, as it reads, and with the d- intention of explaining the Word of God and, and just just opening up the Bible, you know, that thing is. Is something that is core and central to Christianity, and I couldn't help but think when you were saying this, Gary, is when you look at the New Testament church, um, you know, they were countercultural in the things they were doing. Now look at the Apostle Paul; we're yeah. reading about his letters yeah. centuries later, and but the things he was saying back then—I mean, he's talking about themes about the cross and and Jew and Gentile together. So, this idea of countercultural—I think if you're doing something that's countercultural, my kind of hunch is you you may be on the right path. Mm. Because if you're just following the customs and in, in, in dictates of the world, um, you know, Christians are called to stand out, uh, not in a, you know, in a bad sense, but, you know, Jesus said it uh, eloquently, let our light shine. And so there's definitely a call for Christianity to present a different perspective of life and meaning. And what Raph is saying is I'm with him 100%. So, um, you know, my hat's off to these guys. And, you know, we're a seven-day Adventist, um, you know, in, you know uh, minister I am, and you are as well, Gary. But, you know, here is a man of another faith tradition, and I I'm saying amen to this guy, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. from Sydney, uh, where I am from, where I was born and raised, and, you know, and um, the, the culture in which he is preaching and, and the, you know, that space. Um, yeah, it can, it, it, it's got to come to that point. And I think we have to, as Christians, just come to that, that, that idea that we, we'll never get to a place where Christianity is just going to be the end thing like yeah, there's yeah, always yeah. going to be that tension yeah so it's something that that we have to live with and we have to you know yeah there's a real problem there's a real challenge isn't there when we just simply say hey we need to become relevant to the yeah. secular world in which we live in other words and by relevant I mean you know replicate what is that you yeah. know that the church actually is different there is something significantly different yeah. about the church and I think he's really put his finger yeah. on here when he says hey well, the church is actually called to be countercultural." now yeah. um, I, I appreciated something else I mean this article just kept, mm-hmm. it's, it was in the Australia so you can pick it up if you uh, uh, if you'd like this particular article. Um, um, what is his interpretation of our present cultural malaise going along a, a similar? Mm-hmm. A similar direction. As societies that were highly Christianized, we experienced, he said, um, life that was good and beneficial to everyone, or at least to, to most people. Christianity, um, the place, the Christianity teaches that the place of the individual is important. The dignity of individual conscience is vital. The opportunity to pursue personal fulfillment, fulfillment, these were at the root of mm. deeply held Christian ideas. What has happened is that with technology, security and comfort, people have been lulled into thinking that these are self-evident and inevitable truths. Yeah. So as a society, we've loosened ourselves not only from the gospel of Jesus, uh, which from which all these good things arise, but from the posture of humbly acknowledging Almighty God. Mm. We don't humbly acknowledge anything anymore. (laughs) The contents of the gospel, including equality and human dignity, have been separated from the Christian worldview. We have unleashed, ironically, a rejection of God from whom all these good things come. From a theological point of view, That is always our disposition. Our bent is always to receive the good gifts of God, but reject the giver. We have a built-in disposition to act this way, which the Bible calls sin. Mm. Now, is sin the heart of humanity's problem? Well, 
if you go back to the Bible, that's what the Bible says. You know, we all as humanity has a problem, in, and it's the problem of sin. And um, you can call it what you want, but the Bible calls it sin. Um, and so, what, what he's saying there is, and I appreciate you reading the, this article because he's, he's spot on here. And he's basically saying that when you take away the the moral framework of society, which he was insinuating that was built on good, solid Christian foundational beliefs, um, you know, you're basically leaving the door open for all types of, um, you know, diverging. Exactly. You know, well, exactly. You know. And so he's kind of um, he's kind of raising a bit of a, a flag here, saying, "Hey, guys, um, yeah, we are blessed to live in Australia, but let's not forget that." Um, you know, we have Christian values, and when we start to, uh, I, I think what he's really getting at, Gary, and this is as you were reading, I was kind of thinking, we want the good stuff of God, but we don't want God. Yeah, we kind of yeah, like, yeah. and that's the, so often the yeah. case, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I talk to people all the time, and they're quite happy, you know, with the 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 right way of living and treating, you know, our people with equality and respect and honor. But but that's not that's just not. There has to be a foundation for which that was built. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's right on point here. Yeah. No, I, as the more I read on this, the more I sort of thought, hey, I'm agreeing. And it's actually yeah. an unusual thing for me to actually agree with as many people in the, the Christian world because most Christians, most denominations seem yeah. to have moved into the uh, a very um, almost extremist liberal type, mm. left wing type camp. Yeah. Uh, another thing that really uh, Im- impacted me, uh, there is nothing relativist or ambiguous ambiguously obscure in the evangelical tradition of the or the personality of sin of sydney anglicanism uh-huh. like everything else it has its faults and failings but you cannot feel that it doesn't tell you what it really believes uh, or that it doesn't really believe something of substance rafael tells me he believes that jesus was a historical person mm. who was crucified and died and rose from the dead and later ascended to heaven. All the events recounted in the New Testament really happened. Jesus really uttered the words attributed to him and the consequences of those events and the uh, uh, and these words themselves are revolutionary for human beings. Now, these mm. beliefs, how important are they to Christianity? Well, it's absolutely essential. I mean... He's talking here about the historicity of the Bible and the histor- historical nature of Jesus. So, you know, we're not just, this is a historical document that we Christians call the Bible. And what he's saying is it's a, it's a, it's a credible, it's a trustworthy document to put your faith in. Um, if I could just kind of allude to the Apostle Paul, he said, um, in first Corinthians talking about the nature of Jesus's death and resurrection, he basically says, you take that out of the picture, you don't have anything. You know, our faith is in vain, so to speak. So I I applaud him because, um, unfortunately, there are Christians who are taking perhaps a, you know, like you're saying, a liberalist position and try to explain away some of the supernatural uh, occurrences in the Bible. And then, you know, once you open yourself up to, you know, picking and choosing what spirit, you know, what is what, you know, you you could be opening um, a door to you know all types of things that come in um, into our belief system. So, so yeah, I, I love the fact that he's highlighting the historical nature of Jesus, and um, I agree with him on that. And, and, and this is a wonderful thing, isn't it? You know, to me, you know, I really appreciate the article. I did actually appreciate because, virtu- well, yeah. everything that was in there, I'm actually saying, Amen, Amen, yeah, Amen. Absolutely. This is, you know, here we've actually got a person that, to me actually appears to understand the gospel and, uh, you know, the relevance of the scriptures for the day and age in which we're actually yeah. living. And to me, that has to be something yeah. that we can really commend. You know, yeah. I, when I read that, I sort of thought, hey, you know, we just really need to say, hey, this is something positive. This yeah. is something really good. This is something that uh, I certainly uh, would want to support. But look, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, the Petersons. I know who holds tomorrow. <laughs> I don't worry or the future 
I know who holds tomorrow. What a beautiful, what beautiful song that really is. We've got a free gift for you today. The free gift is a, a, a little book. It's entitled Secrets Beyond the Grave. And uh, this is a real little beauty. Uh, the confusion surrounding the afterlife today is more widespread than ever. It's causing heartache uh, for millions who have lost, lost loved ones. Hollywood and television are now focusing with intensity on the spirit world. But are they fantastic portrayals, just imagination? Are they grounded in reality or is there something more sinister actually taking place? Secrets Beyond the Grave is something that will really impact your your life and your understanding of this subject. If you would like your own copy of Secrets Beyond the Grave, just please send your name, your address and your telephone number and just text us uh, here at our studio text number. Uh, that number is 0488 811. That number again is 0488-880-811. And just put the name of the book so we know which particular offer you're referring to. The book is entitled Secrets Beyond the Grave. You'll love, you'll really come to appreciate uh, this uh, uh, this particular book. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is Will Moala, and Will is the pastor of the Gola um, Adventist Church, and uh, also the Brooklyn Park uh, Church Plant. And this week we're taking as our theme, Beyond the Grave is Death the Ultimate End. And today we're simply asking, 
what is death? You know, it's a question that many people uh, never actually bothered to ask. You know, please define exactly what is death. But before that, there's a bit of foundation we need to look at. So, Will, help us out on, on this one. How did humans get here in, in the first place? You know, and what does happen when, uh, what do the scriptures say about those who've died? Yeah, well, I guess. I'd like to probably share uh, basically a few passages of scripture tonight um, just to kind of um, teach, say what the Bible says. I mean, I, I could have an idea and you can have an idea, Gary, but you know, as Christians, we want to, we want to see what the word of God says. So I'm going to be sharing probably a few passages tonight uh, from the word of God. But uh, just on the outset, I just want to say just in general, uh, generally speaking, death, it, it has to be, I, I think, one of the most, um, if I could say, use the word misunderstood um, subjects going on today. I mean, think about it, Gary. You talk to 10 people on the street, they have 11 different answers of this this notion of death. So, um, you know, people listening tonight, they may have a particular understanding of death, perhaps they're, uh, perhaps from their faith background or their cultural background. You know, we all have some type of picture about this. In fact, idea I think the death. average person would probably say, I simply don't know. I yeah. simply haven't. I mean, I'm amazed that there's actually so much preparation for death. You know, we have yeah. preparation. You know, you, you go and make your will, you make sure your affairs are in order. But you know, this spiritual preparation uh, is actually something that gets totally overlooked uh, yeah. by most people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that we don't walk around every day going, oh, you know, meditating on this topic. Well, you much prefer to leave it <laughs> in the background, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is something that happens to the, you know, to those who are 80 or 90, but I'm, it's not going to happen to me because I'm not 80 or 90 just, you know, yep. just yet, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's an amazing viewpoint, isn't it? You know, and then the, the proverbial bus comes along and, uh, yep. you know, uh, and suddenly, uh, my whole world is turned upside down. Yeah. 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 I mean, just as you were saying that, Gary, um, just, this morning, actually, it's I've um, just got news that my um, my grand auntie, my grandfather, um, my uh, grandmother's uh, grandfather's sister had passed away, and um, yeah, it took me by surprise. Woke up this morning and saw it on my you know Facebook feed, and and yeah, started contacting my my cousin, the grandchildren of 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 her that passed away, and I'm heading out there to Sydney, um, yeah, you know, this week. I'm heading out there on Wednesday, and coming back on Friday night and so you know as you would know Gary in our line of work um, you know it's the part of our job that we don't necessarily like and you know we were having a conversation about this offline about you know what do you say when you're in that hospital bedroom with with grieving you know husbands and wives and children it's it's a very uncomfortable feeling, and death is will always have that about us because it's something that's not natural. Well, I know, yeah. Will. I know from you know my perspective in ministry. I mean, I'm in my sixties now, and I've yeah. been in ministry since my mid mid twenties. And I'm sort of, I started to count up. You know, how many people, how many funerals have I actually taken? And to me, I haven't actually taken what I would call a lot of funerals, but mm-hmm. I must have taken you know something up to about two hundred funerals at this particular point yes. in time, and. Uh, you, you don't realise how how many you know when you actually start to start to, but that's two hundred families that you know I've certainly had to had to minister to, and I've I've certainly come to understand the reality of death, you know. And there's not everyone yeah. dies at eighty or ninety, you mm-hmm. know. Sometimes they're very sudden deaths, and you know, dealing with death is something that uh, I think even pastors. Do struggle with it. Yeah. But look, to me, this is why it's so important that we actually understand what is this thing mm. called death, you know? Yeah. So, so help us out on that one. Yeah. So how about we um, go to uh, maybe a few scriptures here? Um, yeah, sure. So I guess um, I want to maybe start, Gary, in the, in the first book of the Bible, actually, in the book of Genesis, because it's really there that we really get a picture of this understanding of origins, um, particularly from a Christian point of view, um, how we came into existence. And really, it's really touching on this broader theme of, of meaning and origin, really, because mm. um, a lot of what we're talking about, it's really uh, more of an existential um, conversation is, you know, what is death and, and what does that mean to me and, and and what happens, you know, when a person dies. So these are very questions that we all wrestle with, whether we claim to be religious or not. It's a part of life. And, you know, as you were talking, Gary, I couldn't help but think, um, you know, I, I watch the news, um, in the evening news, and it's tragic how, 
you know, every night you see someone dying on the road, um, someone, you know, being murdered. So, in, and, uh, you know, the poor victims, the families, they're just bawling their eyes out. And for some of us, we're watching our TV and we're having dinner and, you know, we kind of have that sympathetic, uh, you know, we, we, we mourn and we kind of grieve and then we, we carry on with our life. But for that person, their whole world has just been turned upside yeah, down. Yeah. And to think about, Obviously, logistics in, in you know uh, funeral. Then there's family. There's so it's a very it's a tough gig when when you're experiencing loss in your own life. And yeah. So yeah. um. So, so how did how did life come about in the yeah. first place? So when you read the Bible, it it begins with these words, and you would know this very well, Gary. In Genesis one one, it says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." So immediately, when you open up the Bible, you are immediately confronted with with this idea of a creator God, yeah. and so and which extends to um, to us. You know, uh, in Genesis one, it tells us that that we were created in God's image, and um, re- referring to in God's likeness, in His character. But the text I maybe want to just share with our listeners tonight is this text that's found in in Genesis chapter. Chapter two and verse seven, and um, and I'll just read that for our listeners tonight. And the it says there in Genesis chapter two and verse seven that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, some translations have the word living soul, but it's uh, other translations are living person. So when you're asking the question, you go, how did we get here in the first place? Well, the Bible is very clear um, that, that we uh, did not just... Uh, we, you know, we're not a, a product of evolution. We didn't just kind of come by some cosmic accident. The Bible says very explicitly that God actually created us. And that's an incredibly beautiful thought, isn't it? Because yeah. what it means is that we've got a, a heavenly father, you know. I mean, I love yeah. the way Peter puts it, you know, beloved, now we're the sons of God. It doesn't yet appear yeah. what we shall be, but we know that when, you know, and what we've got is this picture of us being created by the heavenly God and becoming yeah. sons and daughters. And so here we've got God who has created humanity. But, you know, that text that you yeah. read, uh-huh. to me, is actually really important because it actually describes how God went about creating yeah. humanity. And uh, I really appreciate it. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, yeah. breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. In other words, some would say the life force, the breath mm. of life, the mm-hmm. life force. In other words, it gave the, uh, the, the clay of the ground life, and man became... A living being. Now, I'm really interested that you said that some versions say man became a living soul. Yes. Now, is that correct? Yes. Some of them say soul, some say being, um, some say living person. So different translations try to... But essentially what it's saying is a soul is a living person. And I think that's uh, as we go further on in this week. So for our listeners, please tune in every every evening at five because we're covering different aspects of this conversation. Yep, we're just yep. getting it started tonight. But yeah, the, the soul is talking about a living person. You know, it's talking about a – if you break down the verse again, Gary, if you look back at the text, this this seems to be two aspects at play here. There is – um. There's the the dust of the ground, so I think that's like the the terra firma. That's the mm-hmm, physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, my picture had always been, and Gary, you probably you know given this study many times. I, I kind of look at it like you know when you go to the beach and you got people playing and kiddies mm-hmm. playing on the sand. I see kind of like this lifeless, inanimate kind of um, you know lifeless kind of uh, uh, form there, as it were. And, and this, this beautiful picture of God, um, bending down and, you know, in physical contact, like touching this inanimate, you know, uh, thing, if you want to put it that way. I, I have no words to describe it at the moment. But, but when he breathed his, uh, the breath of life, it, it, the, the, it turned into a, a living person. It's really, the breath of life is really a life force. Yeah. And man becomes a living soul, yes. if you look at the KJV, yes. or a living being, if you look at other versions. Yeah, you know, those words are interchangeable in many ways. Now, yeah. you know, that to me is really significant because uh-huh. there are many people that I've spoken to that sort of had this understanding that the soul, of course, is something that, uh, goes, mm. uh, goes after death floats off to yes. some other ethereal a type of, a type of realm. Yeah. Um, but look, um, Tell me something. Can the soul actually die? Yeah. Uh, abs- well, 
Absolutely. If you read the Bible, it, it's very clear. It says there in um, Ezekiel 18, in, in verse 20, and, and I'm reading from the, the Bible here, uh, the Bible says that the soul, now I'm reading it here, the soul that sins, it shall die. And then there is another reference there in Revelation uh, chapter 16 and in verse 3, it talks about um, every living soul um, dying in the sea. So when you, you see the word soul there, it's not necessarily, uh, my perspective, is talking about some um, spiritual, you know, spirit being that has left the physical body. And it's talking about living persons, um, uh, living being. In other words, sometimes we, uh, you know, if a, if a ship founders, you yeah. might have somebody say, oh, how many there, yeah. you know, it went down with, uh, uh, you know, when the Titanic went down, it went down with 1500 souls. Uh, what were we actually talking about? Well, 1500 living beings yeah. were actually on board. And that seems to be the way that the scriptures actually, God created yeah. living beings, but also, uh, God, uh, God uh, says in Ezekiel 18, 20, the yep. soul that sins, it shall die. It appears possible for the soul to actually die. Yeah. And, and, and just to add to that, um, Gary, according to the God's word, as we mentioned, souls die. Uh, we are souls. And, and there's a text also I'm thinking of in, in Job chapter 4 and verse 17, I think it is, where Job speaks about man as being mortal. And just going on from that, and, and this really plays into the deception. I understand it when, when you know, when uh, the serpent spoke to to Eve those 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 deceptive words that you shall not surely die. But but um, I think that's part of this larger conversation. But but when you think about it, um, there is that text that says in First Timothy and chapter six, verse fifteen, sixteen, that only God is immortal. So so the concept of an Undying immortal soul, um, which I know that many people kind of have this picture of that you kind of live on this earth, then when you die, the, the real you, the spiritual you kind of, as you said, floats into the, the next, the afterlife. Into the never never. Yeah, for eternity, whether, yeah. and from some Christians say, well, that, that person, that spiritual, you know, entity that which you would call yourself would, would go either to heaven or to hell for eternity. But I, I don't think that that's what the Bible is saying because my understanding is the only person who has immortality is God. Uh, sorry, is God. God himself. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. We, you know, we're talking about souls. Uh, my take on it is, Gary, um, souls are subject to death. And when you think of soul just simply in your head like a mathematical formula, soul equals a living person. So if you kind of just, when you see the word soul, think living person, I think you steer yourself away with some of these, some of these, um, other kind of understandings. Yeah. 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 I, I'm really interested that, um, Ecclesiastes actually yeah. says, uh, says something quite remarkable, right, actually. Yep. This is written by, you know, King Solomon. Solomon, who was the, actually the, the, the wisest uh, person who, according to Scripture, ever lived, but yeah. he actually talked about death <laughs> uh, because he had to, uh, had to deal with death. What does what King Solomon say? Yeah, I think um, this is probably one of the classic texts whenever we're discussing this, um, and that's found in Ecclesiastes 9, uh, verses 5. Um, it says, The living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. Yeah, that's pretty significant, Gary, because if we take the position that you were saying a few moments ago, that the person dies and then they continue on in their spiritual persona, so to speak, here is Solomon saying, hey, we know that we're going to die one day. He's talking about us, but the dead know nothing. Um, can I just pause there, Gary, because... Look, this is this. When I understood this truth, it really liberated me because I come from a culture where funerals are a big deal. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I pastor mostly, um, you know, Aussie churches, you know, and I have to say, <laughs> I kind of, from a distance, admire the in the Anglo-Saxon uh, English, whatever how you want to call it. Funerals are very simple. It just goes for an hour or two on one day, go home. This thing that I'm going to in Sydney, it's going to go for three, at least, you know, a few days at least. Um, but what I'm trying to say is, um, and now, by the way, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, yeah, no, 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 no,
many cultures, but we have like the main service on like the wake, and, and the body is there, the, the deceased individual, there's open coffin, and you know, and, and scores and scores of of family come and pay yeah, their respects, yeah. and they. But you were saying that well this is uh, understanding this transformed your understanding. Yeah. And, and Share so, with us on that. Yeah, so I guess my understanding of that is um, when I see, a, if, like, for instance, I'm at a funeral, I see that person, that person, as we're going to find out this week, that the person's sleeping, right? And, and not only that, it it liberates me to know that um, that, that person is they're not kind of in doing an afterlife in an, in another realm or so. And I know it, for some listeners that may come across as new, but I think what it did for me from a personal level, Gary, is um, now I can speak about it from my own perspective. My mother, for instance, she was um, she um, was heavily into horoscopes and mm. reading the signs and all this. And, and she, uh, yeah, she would, Take her understanding of of these these topics from newspaper articles and, and certain clairvoyance and whatnot. Um, also, so, but when I understood this truth, it, it liberated me to know. And I was just telling you previously before we went online today. Um, back where I'm from in Tonga, there's a lot of you know each uh, stories about certain spirits or ghosts, if you will. You know that kind of protect that particular village and each mm. village has its own kind of story so to speak but when i understood this that the living know nothing i mean sorry the living know that they will die but the dead know nothing i understand that that that's liberating to me because it's that that thing or person that that person's seeing it may not actually be them yeah, now, I now we're entering into another topic here. I, I actually had one uh, one person actually say to me one time, uh, you know, having having that knowledge that my mother or father yep. uh, is actually sleeping is actually something that uh, I I appreciate because, frankly, I don't want my mum and my dad looking down from heaven, looking at the pain and the suffering. Yeah. That um, my family is going through at this yeah. time, it would be absolute torture to them. Yeah. Um, and they actually said to me, they said, "Hey, what a beautiful thought it is that those words that we often put on the uh, on the uh, on the graveside, rest in peace, are actually." incredibly true and incredibly powerful mm. because uh, what scripture is actually teaching is that when a person passes away what we have is a uh, is a picture of them able to sleep mm. they're able to rest uh, they are able to be quiet they don't you know yep. i love the way that uh, ecclesiastes expresses uh, this um and uh, the way you know the dust returns to the ground as it was was, you know, and you get this, this picture of a, of a God who actually is then able to, to care for this sleeping person because after our break, we're going to come back to this thing called the resurrection. Because, mm. you know, to me, I wouldn't like us to leave this without giving some sort of yeah. hope because, you know, to me, as I look at the scriptures, there is just so much hope um, right. <laughs> because what we actually get is a picture of Christ coming again and at that time a resurrection taking yeah. place. But we'll come to that in just a moment. Let's come to uh, Carly Fletcher. Teach us to number our days. Two. 
and that was Carly Fletcher. Uh, teach us to number our days. That's a powerful prayer. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Now, we do have a free giveaway uh, book uh, today. The book's entitled Secrets Beyond the Grave. You'll love this particular book. Uh, if you would like your own copy of Secrets Beyond the Grave, uh, then please uh, just text us your name, your address, your telephone number, and just text it to us here at the studio. That number is 04 double eight double eight o eight eleven that number again is o four double eight double eight o eight eleven and uh, today we're functioning with our co-host uh, will uh, pastor will moala uh, willis pastor of the gawler adventist church and uh, also the um the brooklyn park grace um adventist church plant and this week we're taking as our theme beyond the grave is death the ultimate end and today we ask what is death now you know the old even the old testament you know will has got so much to say about the uh, the reality of death and how it's all going to climax. You know, a text that really jumps out at me, a passage is uh, Daniel uh, chapter 12. Do you want to just share that uh, that that passage with us? It's, it's Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 and 1 and 2. Sure. So I'll just read it here um, from the Bible. So it says there in Daniel 12 verse, verse 1 and 2, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. In the book. And here's verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting Contempt. Okay, now we're going to dig into this a little bit more uh, as the as the week progresses, and I'm conscious that our time is about to uh, about to run up. But you know, to me, the thing that really jumps out at me here, Will, is yep. this uh, this passage here, and many of those. Who, well, firstly, it talks about our time. The great prince who stands watch over the sun. There's going to be a time of trouble. You know, as I look at my world at the present time, that's exactly what I am yep. seeing. Daniel actually knew what he was actually talking about. Absolutely. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life and others to everlasting contempt. Now, mm-hmm. to me, we're going to dig into both of those uh, later later this week. But, you know, to me, the thing that really jumps out at me is here we've got the prophet Daniel. What he's doing mm-hmm. is he's saying, hey, oh, where are those who are dead? Well, they're actually sleeping. And sleeping until when? They're sleeping until Jesus Christ actually comes again. Yeah, and amen. to me, this is a, an incredible promise that I know um, so many people have held on to and believed, and it's a life-changing promise. Amen. Uh, but look, Will, I'm conscious that our time is up for today. Sure. Let me pray uh, for our for our listeners. Father in heaven, Lord, I just come to you now. I want to say thank you for mm. those who are listening to us today. Lord, I just pray if there's anyone who's struggling with this issue of death, anyone who's struggling with their pain and suffering, with maybe they're looking forward uh, to, to to death sometime in the future. Maybe they have a sickness. Lord, I just pray mm. that your hand might be upon them and that you might give them peace. Mm. Lord, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor Wilma Ola uh, on Drive Time, big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I return to share with Eric Hoare uh, to spend the entire time looking at the question, how did Christ relate to death? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I
The very same God that spins things in orbit Runs to the weary, the worn and the weak And the same gentle hands that hold me when I'm broken They conquer death to bring me Because